Eat it. Please pray with me. We do thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have blessed us with everything that we have, down to the shoes on our feet and the clothes on our body. Without your provision, without you providing, we will have nothing. And so, Lord, we thank you for those blessings. We thank you for even the things you don't give us, because you don't give them to us for a reason. And that, too, is a blessing. And so, Father, we also pray for the preaching of your word, that your spirit, Father, would move. It's not about Alex. It's not about me. But it's about Jesus. It's about our King. It's about our Redeemer, our Father, our Sustainer. And He must receive all the glory for everything. And so I pray that you will be glorified in this time. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, you guys doing all right? See, we haven't got any rain yet, so I guess it's on the way. Hopefully. So if you uh, have your Bibles this morning, um, turn with me to Matthew 6, beginning in verse 9. This is uh, Jesus speaking. He says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. If you were here last week, you, you know that I said we have a habit of reading different passages of the Bible, reading our favorite Bible verses without really understanding what has been said. You know, we can read, we can quote the Lord's Prayer. We can quote you know, Psalm 23, John 3, 16, all those Bible verses. But do we understand what is being said? Sometimes I think we don't. Especially when it comes to the Lord's Prayer. And last week we talked about the first verse of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We said that that prayer is always dependent upon who God is. If we're going to pray this prayer and meaning, if we're going to have an enriched prayer life, we first got to know who God is. That's what we talked about last week. Who is he? He is like us because he's a father. He's personal. And yet he's unlike us because he has no limits. He's perfect. He's holy. And we're not. That's who he is. We're codependent. He's not. So that's a small recap of what we said last week. And, and this week we're going to look at the second and third petition of the Lord's Prayer. And it says what? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When you pray that. We all pray that many times in church. In our private prayer life. Do we, do we know what we're asking? When we say those words. Or is it just something we do? 
Or is this something we do because we're Christian? We need to pray that prayer. We need to memorize that prayer. Do we know what has been said? Think about this. Everyone in our country, a lot of people in our country, we make petitions every day. We make petitions every day. You can make it a petition to, to for a cause, for a particular issue. And here's the thing. You only make a petition about things you care about. Things that you are passionate about. If I'm not passionate about something, then I'm not going to go down to the city council and make any petition about anything regarding in our city. If I'm not passionate about it, that has no impact on me. That's just the reality of it for all of us. If you're passionate about an issue, then you're going to fight for that issue. You're going to talk about that issue. You're going to dialogue about that issue. Last week, I saw on the news, there's a group of residents in Decatur, that's right over the interstate here, who live in an apartment complex. And they, they were making a petition to their landlord. Why? Because he hasn't did any updates on the apartments. It ran down. They made a petition because they, like us, want a nice place to live. And so they petitioned their landlord, hey, you need to do something about this. This is not right. They were passionate about it. Employees would make petitions to their boss. Kids sometimes make petitions to their parents to do certain things. They go to Disney World or play football, play basketball. We make petitions to those who have authority over us. We do it with government officials for any issue. The list goes on. But the point is this. If you have no zeal and if you have no passion, then the action that you do won't last. The action that you put forth will fade away quickly if you have no zeal, no passion for a cause that you petition for. And in the same way, in this Lord's Prayer, if you have no zeal for God's kingdom, no passion for his will to be done, then you ain't, we're not going to pray for it and mean it. We're not going to live for it and mean it. It has to be here in my heart, in my soul. I have to be passionate about saying, God, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And mean it. Because if you don't mean it, it's just words. It's just words. So do you really want it? Do you really want it to come? Do you really want it to be done? Or is it just lip service? Far removed from our hearts. Far removed from our lives. It's his kingdom. And it's his will. You see, the, king, the, the phrase kingdom of God, you know, it sounds cool. You know, like kingdom of God. Yes. It sounds great. But what is it? You know, I did a lot of studying this week. And... A lot of times I felt like I was standing at the video racket blockbuster, you know, because there's so much to read, so much to study, so much has been said. And so as I read, you know, I came across different things what people would say, this is the kingdom of God. This is what the kingdom of God means. And so I scratched my head. I was like, well, which one is right? Which one is right? And so I said to myself, well, how do I choose which one is right? Should I... Do the any, many, mighty, mo method of choosing? Any, many, mighty, mo. I guess I'll go with that one. There's 
three things I've saw when I studied this issue of the kingdom of God. Some people say the kingdom of God is the church. It's us. We are the kingdom. We are the kingdom. Some people say the kingdom of God is in us. And that it's, it's always present. It's a present reality. Others say it's, it's in the future. It's to come when Jesus comes back. So which one is it? Which one is it? A, B, C, or D? So the next thing I did, since I was confused by that, I said, well, let me go to the dictionary and just look up kingdom in the dictionary and see what, this, see what that says. See if I can get some input from the dictionary. And the dictionary says, kingdom is a country or state ruled by a king. So kingdom implies that there is a ruler. Someone who's in charge. A boss. An authority figure. And so look at all the countries in the world. Our country. You will see that they are ruled by a person or a group of persons. But their power is limited. Their authority is limited. And what I mean by that, President Obama is not the president of Mexico. Governor Riley is not the governor of the great state of Georgia. He's the governor of Alabama. Limited power, limited authority. But what about the kingdom of God? Is it limited to a particular place? Is it the church? Is it present? Is it in the future? To put it simply, the kingdom of God means this. It is God's kingly rule of all things. That's the kingdom of God. His rule over all things. He's the boss. And he's not bound by limits. One Christian says that the kingdom does not point to any situation or event, but it points to God's control. God is going to have his way. That's what it's pointing to. He's going to do things his way. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. The Lord has established his kingdom, his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. And then I found this verse, this prayer of David in 1 Chronicles 29. I love this. I love this. Listen to this. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, the majesty. All that is in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord. You are exalted above all. Both riches and honor come from you. You rule over all. In your hand are power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. What is David praying there? God, you are the one. God, your kingdom points to your rule. For all that is in heaven, all that is in earth, is yours. You are head of all things. And so when you pray your kingdom come and your will be done on earth, you are petitioning God to bring his rule to this earth. Bring your authority to this place. That's what you're asking for. And if you're not passionate about that, if that is not your passion, if that's not your motivation, then those words mean nothing to you when you pray them. 
Do you want to see God manifest his rule here on earth? Or do you want to manifest your own? One or the other. You see, there's a connection between the coming of his kingdom and his will being done on earth. You see, one I read from my author, George Ladd. He says, God's will is done on earth. God's will is done in heaven. And his kingdom brings it to earth. I'm going to say that again. God's will is done in heaven, but his kingdom brings it to earth. What does he mean by that? The kingdom is the outworking of God's will. It's an act of God. His rule. And what is his will? It is to overcome evil. It's to deliver men from its power and to bring them in the blessings of his rule. That's what God's will is. And his kingdom accomplishes that. Salvation, basically. Redemption. Redeeming. Bringing lost people into a saving relationship with him. So what does that mean for me and for you as believers? It first means that the church, the people of God, you're not the kingdom. We are subjects of the kingdom. Members of the kingdom. Community of the kingdom. We're agents of the kingdom. But we're never the kingdom itself. Why? Because we're not the ruler. We're not the boss. We're not in charge. God's rule is never subject to us. We are the people of God who enter into his kingdom. And so the question for us, have you entered into the kingdom? Are you living in the kingdom? Are you living under the kingdom? Are you being governed by the kingdom? Who's the boss in your life? Who's the boss of your stuff, your toys, your money, your time, or whatever? Who's wearing the pants in the relationship between you and Jesus? Who's wearing the pants, the big boy pants? Is it you or is it Jesus? Only one can do that. I had to tell you, Jesus ain't wearing the shorts. He wants to wear the pants. You see, in our country, we have, we have a system in which we the people, we have the power to vote into office and out of office those who govern over us. Democracy, the power of the people. That's what we have. If you don't like someone, we vote them out. If you like someone, we vote them in. Because we have the power to do that. And so every two to four years, you have candidates coming up, campaigning, telling you all these great things they're going to do for you, they're going to do for your country and promise you so they can win your vote. Don't confuse that with God. God does not campaign for our vote. He's not going to come put a campaign thing in your yard. He's not going to give you a T-shirt that says, vote for God because I love you. No. He's a merciful God. He's a mighty God. He's a loving God. But he is not going to be subject to us. Never. Ever. God is all powerful without us. He's all God without us. He's almighty without us. He is holy without us. He's merciful without us. He just chooses to use us. And so what that means is that the kingdom is not the Baptist church. The kingdom is not the Presbyterian church. 
The kingdom is not the AME church. The kingdom is not the First Missionary Baptist church. The kingdom is not the non-denominational church. It's not the Methodist church. It's God's kingdom. Do you believe that? Do you see that? He has established his throne in heaven. And his kingdom rules over all that is in the universe in every area of your life. That's his kingdom. That's his rule. You see, when Jesus came to earth and when he began his ministry, I mean, what did he say? He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's how he began his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Matthew goes on to say, And Jesus went out through all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and affliction, affliction among the people. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And in Luke 17, 21, Jesus told, he told the unbelieving Pharisees this, The kingdom of God is in your midst. The kingdom of God is in your midst. What does that mean? It means when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom of God with him into our time, into our history. When he came to earth, he made the kingdom of God present. And through Jesus, God was going to conquer evil, conquer sin, save sinful people from their sin and misery, and bring them into a blessed state of grace to live under his kingly rule. For Jesus is the king. In his kingdom. And we enter into that kingdom through Jesus. And to pray his kingdom come and his will done on earth. First means it has to come to your own life. It has to come to your family. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all will be added to you as well. It means what? Putting God first in your life. Giving God top priority in your life. That's what it means. To live for the kingdom. Making him number one. Even when life is hard. What happened to Jesus the night before he was betrayed? In the garden. What happened to him? What was he going through? The night before the cross. The word says... Jesus was sorrowful. He was troubled. He told his disciples that his soul was very sorrowful, even to death. And Jesus fell on his face. And what did he pray to the Father? What did he say to the Father? My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Can we say that prayer? In our darkest hours, when we are in the pits of sorrow, can we say, not my will be done, Lord, but your will. That's what it means to be live for the kingdom. Wanting God's will to be done in your life, despite your circumstances, despite how hard it gets. Being able to say that prayer and mean it. Because when you pray your kingdom come and your will be done, that is what you're asking for. For his will to be done in your life. In the hardest times of your life. Not when life is just easy. But in the valleys. 
been able to say, your will, O oh Lord, be done, not mine. When sickness comes, disappointment comes, death comes, plans fail, life is frustrated. Your will be done, O oh Lord, not mine. That's what it means to submit to the will of God, to submit to the kingdom. You see, on the one hand, God, he is, he is the king. We know this. The Bible is clear about that. Then on the other hand, he, he still manifests himself as king to us and through us as the people of God. You see, when Jesus sent out the 12 disciples in Luke 9, he sent them out to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and to heal. They went through all the villages preaching the gospel and healing those who were sick. Then when you read through the book of Acts, I noticed this this week when I was studying. You know, it, 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 all, the, all the ones who went out, Paul, Philip, they said they preached the kingdom. They talked about the kingdom. You know, when it says three months while Paul was in Ephesus, he spoke boldly about the kingdom of God. That's what it says in Acts. Now he spent two years in Rome doing what? Proclaiming the kingdom of God. And teaching them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Read the book of Acts. Read it. It It's clearly there. And so we, as those who are supposed to live under God's kingdom, we're supposed to do the same thing. Preach kingdom. Be agents of the kingdom. Agents of healing in the here and now. God has chosen us as his people to manifest his kingdom here on earth. To bring people to it. To preach about it. To share about it. That's what he chose us to do. And that flows out of our relationship with him. So are we, as a church, are you, as believers, going to be about God's kingdom? Or will you try to build your own kingdom? And when I take a look at a lot of churches here in this country... And sometimes, yeah, I see it even in myself. You know, we, we love to talk about the kingdom. We love to hear messages about the kingdom. But when it comes down to it, in the places where we really live, we don't manifest God's kingdom. We manifest our own kingdom, our own agenda. What about the other churches that you came from? When you, look, when you think about those churches, those churches you came from, the churches that you're a part of, whose kingdom are they about? When you look at what they do, when you look at what they spend their money on, when you look at their resources, whose kingdom are they about? Whose kingdom are they really building? Sometimes it's their own little mini empire. And if we, as a new church plant, don't become serious about the kingdom of God, we too would do the same thing. Try to build our own little kingdom. Bring people to be part of the village church. To be disciples of the village church. No. You're not disciples of the village church. You're disciples of God's kingdom. This is not the kingdom. We're not the kingdom. You see, I heard two things last week that that really had me thinking a lot when it comes to the kingdom of God. One One thing says is that the church has ceased of being fishers of men and pretty much have become guardians of the aquarium. 
We don't fish anymore. We just guard the aquarium. And we look. And then I heard a sermon by a pastor named Mark Drissel from a church in Seattle. And he says that you know, Christian movements unfortunately become museums. What does he mean by that? They start out great. They start out engaging the community, providing stuff for those who don't have it. And soon they get organized. Soon they get structure. And soon they become a museum. What happens in a museum? It preserves history. It preserves traditions. Preserves the old way of doing things. And a lot of our churches are in self-preservation mode. They preserve the old way of doing things. And so when you do that, you cease to be about the kingdom. You have become about your own kingdom. I don't want to be a church that's here to preserve our way of doing things. I want to be about the kingdom. I want us to be about the kingdom as individuals. Not trying to be self-preserving this. All this is going to burn. This church is just a building. It is just a building. And what would keep us from becoming a museum and an aquarium is us being about the kingdom of God. Not just praying about it, but living it. Realizing. And this is how I ask myself this question. How do I know if I'm a kingdom pastor? I said, if I'm happy if people never join my church, but join the church down the street, then I know I have a kingdom perspective. If I'm only here to grow this church, to make this church big, that's not kingdom perspective. That's Alex's perspective. That's my kingdom perspective. Kingdom focus that stands beyond these walls. Because the goal is to bring people under God's rule, not here to grow our numbers. That's what it means. The people that we minister to in this community, we should, if they don't come to this church, we should still be happy and love them. Because they're still in God's kingdom. And send them and bless them for being a part of some church. That's kingdom minded. Now that's a whole way of doing things because you know, we want results, we want the church to grow. But that's kingdom minded. Think about the kingdom more than just trying to grow a church. That's where I want us to be. That's where I want to be. Because that's what we're doing. Building God's kingdom, not our own. In one of my favorite books, um, uh, The Return of the King, um, there's a scene in the book where the, the white wizard Grant Gandalf, he hears a, a bit of an old legend of Gondor. If you read the book, you, you know what I'm talking about. And, and basically, you have this elderly woman telling him about this old, this old prophecy. And she said, Would there were kings in Gondor as there once was upon a time. They said, the hands of the king are the hands of a healer. So that the rightful king could ever be known. The hands of the king are hands of the healer. That's our God. He is king. He is mighty. He is glorious. He is holy. He is perfect. He is unlike us. He is all those things. But he is your healer as well. He's both and. And we as his people, as we manifest his kingdom, we are to be agents of healing.
in our communities, in our families, in our neighborhoods, for his glory alone and not ours. Let us pray. Father God, it's when you say you want to live, pray your kingdom come and your will be done, it means something. It means we're not living just for ourselves. We don't live just to, to, to increase membership in our church. We have a bigger, big picture, Father, vision of what we're doing. And, that is, and that's bigger than our little congregation. And so I pray for, for myself as pastor here. I pray for um, the members here and the future members that will come, that we will be kingdom-minded all the time, realizing, Lord, we're bringing people to your kingdom and not our own kingdom. I pray that, Spirit, you will give us the, the humility to submit to God's rule in our life when it comes to our stuff, when it comes to our resources, when it comes to our time. Because if we're not submitting to you, Lord, we can't expect those who don't know you to do that if we who are called by your name refuse to surrender. So, Spirit, help us to happily surrender our lives to our King who is also our healer. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.